Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined again today by Dr. Matthew Perry for another great discussion. Today we focus primarily on the spine, what having a quote-unquote weak spine means, what we can do about it, and then of course we got off on some other fun tangents. So whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Matthew Perry, how are you? Hey, Brianne. I'm doing wonderful today. New year, new us, right? Something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hopefully 2022 is going to be a much uh, better, more fruitful year than uh, the past couple. (laughs) Who knows in this day and age? Who knows? Everyone calls me the eternal optimist, but it's like, hey, you know, if you don't just laugh at it, you know, you might cry. So let's just just laugh. (laughs) There we go. There we go. Awesome. Well, hey, I'm excited to talk to you. It's been, I think in podcast world, it won't have been a real long time since our last interview, but in our actual world, it's been a while since we've connected. So I'm excited to dive into more fun stuff today. Um, And I think what we really want to focus on today is is the back. Um, And I know we could go a ton of different directions on this, but kind of going along that direction of like, you know, when people are being told they have a weak spine or an unstable spine or all of these, whatever word you want to put on it, like, what does this mean? Or does it really mean anything? Yeah. Um, that's a great, great, uh, point that we can jump off on, you know? Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's really interesting. We have, uh, you know, this healthcare system that is uh, designed to make sure we detect every little impairment that we have in our body through, you know, imaging and, and things like that. And, you know, it's, it, it's really, um, uh, it's a, it's a marvel. I mean, first of all, it's amazing that we have that, but, um, yeah, it can also kind of, sometimes we get a little bit too much in the weeds with stuff and, and, and find, find things that maybe aren't that significant. Right. Um, and this isn't all the time, like, you know, I'm not knocking, you know, imaging at all. Don't, don't, yell, don't yell at me yet. Give it time. But, but, but yeah, you know, uh, these, all of these things like, uh, you know, arthritis, degeneration and, and, and all of that, you know, I have yet to, to see anybody come through with a, with a, with a clean bill of health on an image, right? <laughs> Um, I don't know what your experience is with that, uh, but, you know, everyone I see has has a degeneration, arthritis, all that stuff, right? Oh, absolutely. Like, you take anyone over the age of probably 25, and they're going to at least show something. I mean, we've done stuff. We've played sports. We've fallen from trees, like... <laughs> Hopefully, well, right? If we, if, if we lived a good childhood, we'd have, we have. <laughs> right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> But yeah, you know, it's it's really important that we discern, you know, what is significant and what is life, right? What is wear and tear, you know? Um, I have no doubt, you know, I've shared my backstory and the, my herniated discs in my back before, but I'm sure I have arthritis and degeneration in my shoulders, right? I've never really had shoulder pain before. Um, actually, um, actually, that's not quite truthful because I separated my shoulder playing rugby a few years ago. And, uh, but... Sorry, 
my right shoulder, the separated shoulder, is actually stronger than my other shoulder <laughs> for, for some reason, although I have less stability. You know, so uh, we, we really need to make sure that, you know, in the healthcare community, we're giving people accurate information. We're not, we're not lying. However, we also need to have that caveat that you might have this. However, this is a normal sign of blank, of, of aging or of life, right? Absolutely. And that, it brings back, a, I was talking to actually a former client of mine. I, I talked to her in passing at the gym the other day. And she, long story short, she had next stuff several years ago, like causing weakness, numbness, tingling down the arm, required surgery. Um, everything's been great. She's starting to get a little bit of symptoms again, which I talked to her. I was like, I think like, I think it's just the muscles that are like, now you're getting trigger points. You're using the muscles again. And, but for ease of mind, she wanted to get another scan, which is totally fine. And she's like, came up totally clear. And she's like, in fact, she's like, there's like showing nothing, like no tears, no damage at all in my shoulders. Like they look great. She's like, except she was showed a little bit of AC joint impingement or inflammation. And I was like, but I was like, what the workouts you do, who says there wasn't the same thing on the other side. She's like, exactly. Yeah. So and we have to take so many things into account. I think when we're looking at these scans. Exactly. And you know, what, what I don't really like is uh, people with, you know, we'll call it, uh, although everyone's unique general quote unquote back pain, you know, um, nothing traumatic or anything like that uh, come into me and are telling me, oh yeah, my, my spine, uh, my spine's weak. You know, my spine is, uh, you know, in disrepair. It's the worst one I've ever seen. We've talked about that before. And yes, that obviously for some people can be true and we're all born differently and have different things, scoliosis, et cetera. But for the vast majority of us, you know, we don't, we don't have a weak spine, right? Because if we had a weak spine that shifted or something like that on us every time we moved, we would probably have a little bit more than mild back pain, right? <laughs> Most likely. Most likely, right? We wouldn't be able to walk. We would have loss of function in our bowels and bladders. You know, we'd have, uh, we have all the, all of those significant things. And some people do, and that is obviously a medical emergency. But many of us, uh, you know, we just need to work on some, um, uh, some movement and some control in order to make sure that, you know, our spine is nice and, um, uh, you know, uh, stable, right? Yeah, I think it's, you know, and it can come down to just semantics of how things are worded and thought about, but like, there's a big difference between someone having a quote unquote weak spine and someone just not knowing how to control their body through movement patterns to actually do what they need to do or want to do to function. Yes. Uh, most of us have movement problems and not necessarily structural problems, you know, so it's, it's always important and I always encourage people to get a second opinion from somebody, right? Because uh, one, you know, the medical system is way too overrun and all that and has no fault of the doctors or anything like that. They don't always have the ability to share, yes, this is arthritic or has arthritis or degeneration, but that's okay. They can't get to that point because they're running to their next patient because of productivity standards, et cetera. But, that's why, you know, it, what, what, I love what we do. We spend time really kind of dissecting stuff and looking at the x-rays and the MRIs and giving our input 
based off uh, based off what we're seeing. Because let's not forget, y'all, we have strong, strong ligaments that are designed to keep our spine in place, right? What most of us lack is the control in our muscles when we turn, when we bend, pick up that piece of paper, <laughs> and and our back goes out. So um, it's it's about it's about what is the weakness or what is the incoordination. Yeah. So let's dive into that a little bit. Like when that person twists or bends down to pick up that pencil, that was the final straw of like finally causing a problem. Like what's actually happening, happening? Like if the spine's not weak, what's actually happening in that area to trigger the pain that comes on? Yeah, that's a great, great point. I love trying to dive deep into uh, what could be causing my patients uh, issues. And you know, this is uh, from uh, my perspective, we all have different perspectives on it. But what I think what is happening is that, you know, your muscles are not engaging at the right time. I don't always go straight to weakness, I go to incoordination, right? So it's like, uh, what's the fastest way to get from, you know, uh, California to Denver? It's fly on a plane, go east, right? But, and that's what we want our muscles to do. But what's actually happening uh, for some of us who have these control issues is the flights going north to Vancouver, east to Toronto, then southwest to, uh, to, to Denver, right? I think we and see those flight paths sometimes. <laughs> we do see those flight paths. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been on some of those flights, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> but uh, what, what we want to do is just uh, is, is make sure that the muscles are turning on at the right time because when that doesn't happen, because our spine isn't a, we've, we've talked about stability, but it isn't a completely stable structure. It's not rigid, right? It's designed to move and rotate along with our bodies. But when that doesn't happen in a controlled manner, the, uh, uh, the nerve roots get pinched. The body goes, uh-oh, what's going on with me? Senses danger and seizes up, right? It's like me shrugging my shoulders really, really tight and, you know, um, that kind of thing in traffic. It's that same kind of thing, but happening in the back is um, kind of my analogy. Mm -hmm. No, and, and that's a great point. Like, or, you know, I think that's a really good analogy there as far as what's happening in that area, things just tightening up. Like we aren't necessarily, I mean, do disc issues happen and pinch nerves? Absolutely. Like we've seen it, like surgery is required sometimes, like it totally happens. But most of the time, like it's not a disc issue. It's like, it's just a muscle. Most times it's just a muscle issue. Um, what, what that brought to mind though, as you were talking is talking about like motor control movement patterns, something I've had a lot of fun playing around with lately. And I, it was part of, cause of what I've just been playing around with myself, trying to figure it out is how to like keep that neutral spine position or a better position. So we aren't like getting into that, like extreme lordotic thoracic or yeah um sorry extremely lordotic lumbar spine when we're going into extension and how we can control that without like doing it all at the pelvis so playing around with like how do i control the rib cage how do i control all that spinal area with these different positions going overhead standing up tall and um both with um just kind of myself i kind of got into it but it's been really eye-opening for a lot of people i've worked with all of a sudden they're like oh, no wonder I can't do X, Y, and Z without constantly injuring myself. Like I can't even get into this position. Yes. And that's why the first thing I do if someone comes in with back pain, it's like, okay, let's see how you're activating our, your core 
and we'll, we'll dissect the core in just a moment because it's a lot more than just your abs, um, as you were alluding to, Brianne. But when they're on their back and I tell them to uh, try to, you know, tuck, tuck their ribs um, as well as maybe a small pelvic tilt depending on the person, but definitely tucking their ribs and flattening their back to my, my hand, which is a cue under them, and they can't do that, it's like, well, how do you expect – to be doing that at any point in the real world when you're moving. And so that's just showing a uh, huge movement and coordination that needs to get uh, addressed because, yeah, they are going into that hyperextension, that lower, extreme lordotic curve when they're, when they're deadlifting or doing something else most likely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, let's talk about the core a little bit because we throw around that term all the time. I've never been to a gym where they didn't say, turn on your core, right? Just activate it as if it's just a simple thing. But as I, as, as I said a minute ago, some people can't even do that while they're flat on their back. So how are they going to do that during a deadlift? Uh, but just to go over the core, you know, in my opinion, you know, I think the core is so much more than just your abs, right? We have our thoracolumbar fascia and all of our transverse fascia that goes into our back. So it intertwines with our back muscles. When I tell somebody to activate their core brace, whatever the case is, you know, we do create kind of a ring, almost like a weight belt that you see in, in the gym. And, uh, you know, I try to dissuade people from using the weight belt because we, we kind of have a built-in one to an extent. And, but let's not even stop there. Let's go to the roof of our core, which is our diaphragm, right? A primary muscle of inspiration. That needs to descend and your pelvic floor needs to elevate. A lot of ladies have pelvic floor dysfunctions because of uh, pregnancy and, you know, things like that. And if one of those systems aren't working, if the diaphragm's not distending, you know, you're not creating that ring around you and the pelvic floor is not raising, then you have a break in the system. And that's where I see a lot of, you know, a lot of issues kind of coming from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I personally, I think you can go even more like whenever I think core, like I think actually from like basically your shoulders all the way down to kind of like knee-ish area because if we aren't thinking about like well your lats they connect to the top of your pelvis they connect to your shoulder blades um the entire spine essentially is all connected from the top of your neck to to the bottom of your spine um you know everything in that surrounds the hips like that has to kick in to control the hips and the pelvic position and everything so like when we're talking core, we aren't just talking those six pack abs. In my opinion, we aren't just talking everything between that diaphragm and pelvic floor. We're really talking about the majority of your body. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, let's, let's talk about the shoulders need, you know, needing to kind of be down and back, maybe a 5%, 5% kind of thing to activate the left. I love that. Let's even talk about the feet, right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You know, so, I mean, you know, uh, I, I, I love that. Let's really talk about your whole body being your core. Um, and if you have any uh, issue in any of these systems, then the core is not going to work in the way it, it should. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So what sort of things do you do when you are, just continue using the word, when you are training core, like when someone comes to you and you need to start like, doing some core work with them for job purposes or workout purposes, like what sort of things are you, and obviously everyone's a little bit different based on where they, what they can do, but like, obviously you and I are not doing the standard, like ab core exercises. So like, what sort of things are you doing with people to really challenge that? 
You mean you're, you're not doing crunches to, to, to activate the core for every person? Secrets out, darn it. <laughs> um, it depends. No. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, when I, when I uh, take a person in our evaluation process, I love to see, you know, what they do in everyday life. You know, if they're a construction worker, uh, that is a completely different thing than uh, someone who sits at an office all day. Uh, but we really get to the bottom of of what the demands are in their life, but also uh, when they're moving, it's what what's the quality of motion in some of those areas. And so a desk worker, we have them probably hip hinging, deadlifting. I love starting with a, a good morning once we're kind of off the back stuff, or the, the uh, them being on their back, just to kind of. Uh, relearn because as soon as I teach someone a hip hinge, the first thing they want to do is just reach down towards their toes. And uh, that's okay in some aspects, but if you're trying to lift something heavy from the ground, probably not the best uh, best way to do it. So uh, it, it's very, very function function specific, but everyone gets some form of, like I said, that hip hinging, progressing to uh, lifting something from the ground, right? Because that's probably what injured their back in the first place based off whatever they told me. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, bringing in the, or what you're saying, as far as like people round forward, and this is even where it sticks out even more as far as how important the shoulders are to the core, not necessarily from a strength perspective, just from a positioning perspective. Cause, um, and I do this with all my people who it's like, okay, do a hip hinge and they round their shoulders is like, all right, now, keep your shoulders back in that position and stand up and like helping them like really see and feel the difference on like what's happening on a spinal level when they keep their shoulders back and how less it has to activate and do the job to stand up when they do that. Yeah. And probably how much more powerful they feel too. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Cause you can generate a lot more power when the muscles are on versus when they're, you know, in a passive state. And then, you know, then they'll see that, that kind of jerk from the ground, right? <laughs> well, you don't need to do all that, right? If you keep the muscles on as you lower to, to lift or whatever, then, then you're good. You shouldn't need to do any of that. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's great. And that, that really is this whole thing. We, we always throw around that term function. Everything's functional now, hashtag function. But you know, how many of us are, are really making sure we're getting to the bottom of what's functional for them? It has nothing to do with what I think, right? It has everything to do um, with them. If they're going for, uh, if they're a bodybuilder and going for max, you know, a max deadlift, we have to train probably some improper form because they're not going to have 100% form during that max deadlift. And that's just life. That's just how it is, right? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, we whether we want to get into the whole Jefferson curl debate or not, but I'm like, that's like situations like that. And even all situations in life, like, I think it's important to also teach the spine how to actually control itself in those rounded positions. Cause like, think the mom getting the baby from the crib, like you can't hip hinge and get yourself over. Well, okay. Maybe if you're taller, you can, when you're five foot two, you definitely can't. Um, <laughs> Nor five foot seven like me. <laughs> You can't do a good hip hinge to like get your child out of that crib or reaching into the trunk to get stuff out. Like there are times that's like, you just can't hold that position. So, you know, doing Jefferson curls or things to still teach the body how to maintain a rounded spine, be small, be strong, control that. Um, I think is super important too. 
Yeah, uh, 100. Because if we're training someone to uh, do a barbell deadlift in the gym in this perfect form, picturesque, you put it on Instagram, like that kind of form, uh, but they never really lift barbells in their life <laughs> and they need to do something like, you know, what you said, uh, then then we're not training them, you know, in the in the best way possible. So, yeah, it's, it's always very person specific. Um, you know, I'm also thinking of like uh, you ever like, you know, I'm sure you've moved a few times. So like uh, lifting a couch, mm-hmm. how can you do that with quote unquote perfect form? And it is impossible. It is impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't speak in absolutes because someone's going to say it is possible and send me a video of it. But like, <laughs> uh, but seriously, right? You know, you, it's, it's very, very hard to do with a completely neutral spine. So yeah, we should train people for that, especially if they're a mover, especially if they are moving. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's absolutely perfect. Let's take a quick break to talk about zero shoes. You know I love being barefoot. I am barefoot as much as possible. But when you're out in public, sometimes that's frowned upon. And when you're walking around on concrete and asphalt in the Phoenix summers, it's highly unsafe. That's when Zero Shoes comes in handy. These shoes allow my feet to be as barefoot as possible, to allow my feet to still work like they were made to work. And the great thing about these shoes is they last. They have a 5,000 mile sole warranty, meaning you rarely have to replace these shoes. And they have a wide range of options. So whether you're looking for sandals, something for casual wear, or something for your sports or work, they have you covered. You can go check them out at zero shoes, that's spelled X-E-R-O shoes.com slash go slash get your fix PT. And you can find all of my partnerships at getyourfixpt.com slash partners. And now back to our conversation. And on that same note too, like, you know, how often are people told you shouldn't lift and rotate? Mm. Same thing, like try moving and loading a truck or loading a storage unit without having to do some sort of rotation because of where things are situated or the awkwardness of an object. Yeah, I, I, I had I had an intern uh, uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, and uh, she's in her undergrad, but she's taken some, you know, anatomy classes and stuff like that. And I had an elderly patient, he was, uh, um, he was doing some rotational exercises. And, and uh, the intern was like, Hey, Matthew, I don't mean to challenge you or anything. But you know, I always accept challenge, you know, and, and all that. But um, yeah, she, she was like, I was told that elderly people shouldn't be rotating because that's bad for their back. And I'm like, okay, um, this would be a great learning moment. <laughs> and so I had, I had my client, we put a kettlebell or uh, something in, in their, his trunk and told him to get it out of his trunk. There had to be rotation, right? And so if we think that people are just living in this vacuum, like this robotic like uh, system, it's absolutely false. It's patently false. Uh, because we have to rotate, we have to, you know, do different things. We have to side bend um, in order to pick stuff up in everyday life. I'm pretty sure there's a reason they told us we had three planes of movement when we were <laughs> in school, right? Yeah, yeah. Not not two, not one. <laughs> we're allowed to rotate. <laughs> it's, 
it, it's okay. But you know, we're we're kind of uh, bred to you know be- believe some of these things, and and you know, I I think I get where they were coming from with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to say they're wrong by any means, uh, but in the real world, it is it's not textbook. Uh, we have to train funky motions. When I have my basketball players uh, coming out uh, with back pain, when they're we're, we're practicing jumps with me kind of leaning into them a little bit, pushing them a little bit, because that's what happens on the court, right? Awkward movements of rebounding, you know, that's not picture perfect by any means, you know, if you watch the NBA, um, but they have that ability to control it. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, Obviously, there's a limit. You're not going to start anyone, regardless of their age, on a like, hey, let's pick up this 150-pound object and rotate with it. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't even do Russian that if someone did extreme plane lifting if they had never lifted something that heavy in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, like, everything's relative to everything else. Like, you're going to, regardless of the movement in general, you'll injure yourself if you're lifting more than what your body can handle. Yeah, if your load is exceeding your capacity to, to move that load. Uh, so, yes, it has to be properly dosed, absolutely, and uh, has to be built up, right? Because uh, if I do have that same you know, elderly person, this intern didn't see that, but we had also worked in uh, uniplanar, single-plane movements you know, for the first couple sessions just to build up his one confidence and also kind of tissue tolerance to make sure uh, that he was able to then handle the progressions of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's another point to, you know, don't, don't always take a snapshot of something and, and, and think that that is the, um, the whole picture, right? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think it's tough, like, well, there's a lot of downfalls of social media, but that is one of the tough things is, you know, people see a strong athlete or they see a PT doing something with, or a coach doing something with someone and like, Oh, that looks awesome. I should go do that. It's like, you didn't see the 15 other progressive exercises that led up to that point to be able to do that. And, and so there's just like, it's great that some of these things are out there, but at the same time, I don't think there's enough out there to like, don't do this if X, Y, and Z aren't already in place. Yes. And mind you, that person has also been training 20, 25 years to get to that point to be mm-hmm. able to do something like that. I mean, so, yes, it's, it's the, the short term before and the long term before. And, yeah, you know, we see the person, you know, juggling kettlebells while, like, shoulder pressing 150 pounds all while on one leg on a BOSU ball or something like that. <laughs> um, and maybe something like that is a bit reckless. I don't know the function behind it, but uh, but yeah, you know, we need to we need to look at them. We need to look at ourselves and be like, okay, well, you know, think of it critically, right? You know, I'm not a professional athlete. I don't get paid millions of dollars to simply train. Um, so maybe they have some skills that I don't possess right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So we've talked a lot about just kind of like spine strength and all of this, and just kind of training the core. Obviously, in life with the body, like not everything is like perfectly treatable by just therapy or doing that conservative route. 
What are some instances, um, you know, just speaking specifically on the spine, like what are some occasions that, you know what, it's just not going to work to do therapy, like, and surgery does have to happen? Yes, uh, you know, that is a, um, an absolute reality, you know, in our business. And I'd love to say, oh, PT can help, help everything. And, you know, it's all sunshine and daisies and all that. Um, it absolutely is not. We cannot help everybody. Um, no single person or discipline can help everybody. Uh, so, yeah, some instances. Um, one that came to mind, uh, it's a great question, was... Um, we had somebody uh, who had, um, it's an interesting story. I, I don't think I've shared this before. Uh, he came in because of an occupational incident. He uh, was a construction worker. He was walking with a very, very tall ladder. He was walking backwards. He accidentally stepped in a pothole, and he uh, got bent back. The ladder fell on him, and he bent himself back, if everyone can kind of uh, get that imagery there um really hurt his back pretty traumatic uh the x-rays came back as uh actually not too bad uh some mild bulging of discs and um some degeneration uh so nothing that we can't work with but the kicker with this is he was in the doctor's office after the x-ray they were going to come in and do the interpretation or the uh the findings not one but three doctors came into the room with him and they said, sir, I don't know how to tell you this, but your back is like a chicken bone. And the doctor actually made the, the, the uh, movement of snapping a chicken bone in half. And he was like, oh my gosh. And when he told me the story, I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> what, what happened after that? He's like, I don't, I don't know, I, I blacked out. <laughs> Uh, after after hearing that, this is a true story, and um, you know, I was like, okay, he was very amped up. I tried to have him do some diaphragmatic breathing and just some things. I'm like, hey, just hang out here for a second, dark room, let's calm down. I came back in. He was he was kind of twitching and just like shaking a little bit. I'm like, sir, are you okay? He's like, yeah, man, I just can't get that chicken bone out of my head. And uh, that was a very profound story for me because. Um, no matter what we did with this person, we could not relieve his pain and not like help him. And so I still think today this wasn't necessarily a structural issue, but more of a psychological issue um, that was kind of placed, you know, in his head. Not that it's all in his head, not that he's crazy by any means. It's the what was placed into his head. Mm-hmm. Um, we couldn't help him. We ended up discharging him, and um, I believe he uh, went underwent uh, surgery and all of that. Um, because we couldn't help them. Yeah. What's actually really fast, or what, what that brings to mind. So the podcast that will have been released last week, um, which if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it. Super fascinating. It's a, it was a performance hypnotist, but in the conversation, we were talking about how, like, for, like, someone who is just, like, I'm like, I needed you like three years ago with my ring muscle ups. Someone who is just like stuck in pattern after pattern that like sometimes you can like basically hypnotize them to forget that pattern even exists or that mistake even exists. And so I'm like, for me, like where I go with that is like just making that guy forget that that comment was even made to him and how drastically that could have been different for him. 
Yeah. Wow. Uh, performance hypnosis. That's super cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, like that's what would have needed to happen um, because there was nothing that was shaking that, you know, you just, so you just have nightmares about this, uh, this imagery. And so, you know, I don't fault the doctors or anything like that. I'm sure they were trying to illustrate a point. Um, but that point was not very well received <laughs> clearly. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, how about, yeah, sorry, sorry about that long winded thing, but, uh, that just is in the top of my mind. Uh, how about yourself? What it's, uh, in- yeah, as a, uh, not fully mental one, um, as a, one really good example I had is when I was still working in the insurance world, but had someone come in, like numbness tingling in the legs, nothing out of the ordinary when we're talking like someone coming with back pain. Um, but over time, like wasn't really getting better, kind of started getting worse. And then all of a sudden she fell off the schedule. I couldn't get in contact with her. Finally, she came back several weeks later, post-surgery. And she's like, so basically she had gotten to the point that like, she, the muscles were one getting weak, but two, she was just falling because the muscles were just giving out on her and then found out like basically, um, it was just pinching on the nerve more than they thought it was and required surgery. So like things like that, where it's just like, you know what, you've tried the conservative route. You've done a lot of things and like numbness and tingling is getting worse. Pain's getting worse. It's causing you to like, literally like your legs give out from you, like things like that. Like there comes a point of this is just on that nerve too much and there's not much that can be done otherwise. Yes, absolutely. Anytime, you know, someone comes in with, you know, the bilateral and that's bilateral is both sides, um, uh, numbness, tingling, weakness, all of that kind of stuff, you know, that's a little um, inconsistent for something that physical therapy um, can help, you know. Um, and uh, we've had people come in who were like, um, yeah, I, I've actually lost 20 pounds last month without even trying. And it's great. My jeans are fitting better. <laughs> and, like, no, this isn't. <laughs> I, I, of course, yeah. I'm like, no, that's not consistent. That is, you know, symptoms of something we can't help, um, you know, uh, particularly possibly cancer. Um, so you need to go, um, go to your medical doctor to uh, get that checked out. Um, but yeah, you know, we, we can't, nor do we, or nor do you and I ever uh, claim to be able to, to help everyone. And, and at the end of the day, medications, surgeries, all of this stuff exists for a particular reason, right? And it's to help people and it helps a lot of people out there. I know we're, you know, everybody nowadays is anti-drugs, but there's an indication for drugs sometimes, right? Um, and at least in the, you know, short term, um, possibly the long term. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, just kind of to continue on more of the like red flag stuff, because you did mention in passing earlier, um, and I've actually had someone come to me with it and I sent her back to her physician. Um, But the like loss of bowel and bladder control is a huge red flag when we're talking about back issues and things going on. Um, Because once that happens, like there's an area impinge that we as PTs, we can't address and it definitely needs to be more of a physician surgical intervention. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's spinal cord, central spinal cord compression, which is, which is no bueno. Um, it needs to be intervened um, immediately. Um, that's not a, a wait, wait and see kind of thing. <laughs> Definitely uh, but, but, but that's why it's so important to make sure we're doing as thorough of an examination as possible. Um, I actually read some research, interestingly enough, that was uh, talking about how physical therapists are 
um, among the top healthcare professionals who are um, able to um, help someone, uh, um, it's not diagnose cancer, but um, see that there could be cancer within, um, within them because the amount of time we spend and the, the types of questions we ask. Um, so we can help a lot of people. I'm sure the same is with spinal cord compression and, and all of that. If you do a deep tendon reflex on someone's knee and it kicks out and goes in the clonus, that's not a good thing and they need to go see somebody. Yeah. I think it's a great point just because it is, you know, the physicians may ask the right questions, but you know, we just have a, we spend the time with them. And even if someone's working with a personal trainer or a coach, they don't have necessarily the medical background to understand what's going on with the body either when those things are happening. So, um, that is a great point. Something I hadn't heard of, but it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it absolutely is. And so that's why I'm really proud to be in this profession. You know, like you said, it is, it is the time it's the questioning, right? When you go in, when a typical person goes into the medical doctor, they're, um, you know, and they say their knee hurts, you know, the physician's just looking at the knee. There's, you know, nothing else that really matters. Um, if there's no other comorbidities on the, you know, on, in their chart. Um, but we have the great opportunity to, although we're working on their knee, we're talking about some of these other things in life. And then they tell us that, oh, wow, by the way, like, you know, I recently haven't been able to make it to the bathroom several times and mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. Anything else on your mind today? Hmm. Always stuff on my mind. I know. Um, yeah. <laughs> It's, it's relentless. You don't want to be in this mind. <laughs> um, uh, you know, so, something that, uh, you know, I think we've kind of touched on in the past is this whole like um, uh, conversation of the pain that you have patient is all in your head. You know, um, nothing, clearly nothing's wrong with you on the image. So it's all in your head. So you know, get your head checked or you know, what, whatever they, they say after that. And that's a really hard one for us or for me to, uh, um, to hear um, from people because that has so many implications beyond, I think, what the doctor is really trying to say. Whereas pain is a, you know, pain is a very uh, complex thing that has psychological factors as well as social factors, as well as biological factors. Uh, but 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 some some uh, summarizing it all the way into it's all in your head, you know, I think is a huge disservice to people. Um, it's not just physicians I've heard this from. Yeah. And I mean, essentially, it's just passing them off like it could be in their head, but it could be because of some like emotional trauma that happened to them years ago. And they need to go see a psychiatrist or psychologist who can help them with that. Like there's so many aspects that can be creating pain, um, that aren't just physical that, yeah, when you're just, when someone's told that or just brushed off of like, nothing's wrong with you, a lot of things can be missed to help someone's full well-being. Yeah. And going to the point where, you know, we can't help everybody, right? Like it's, you know, sometimes a psychologist, um, is in order because it is a manifestation of past traumas and, and all of that. Um, you know, I know people who've had, a, you know, uh, they've shared with me having some abuse in their childhood and uh, they were working through it, but then they got in a car accident and all of a sudden they have frozen shoulder, you know, um, and, you know, we kind of see that sometimes as the frozen shoulder being a manifestation of 
all the trauma they've been through. Yeah. Two fascinating books that if anyone's listening wants to read, or if you haven't read them, Matt, um, The Body Keeps Score is a super good title. Well, <laughs> yeah, right. And then the other one is The Emotion Code, which I've actually gotten that author on the podcast in the past as well. Um, but The Emotion Code is another really good one. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Everybody, definitely check out The Body Keeps Score and The Emotion Code. Um, I will get them on my to-read list right after this. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, super good books. Just kind of tr- understand... What, both are to understand like what, how, how the body holds trauma and what things can be caused of it, including pain. But um, the emotion code is actually cool because it actually walks you through how to actually like release that trauma. Interesting. And whatever, and whatever is like being held based on, uh, on the, on your past trauma. So it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's all remember that the body is such a complex organism Right. Um, we like to say, oh, well, calories in versus calories out or, you know, you do X to get Y. But we sometimes uh, neglect to see the millions of processes that happen in between that A and that B mm-hmm. thing. Right. Um, and so I, I love that current research is trying to dive into a little bit more of that. Yeah. Yeah. I just had speaking of that, like kind of coming from a different direction, I just had someone message me recently. Um saying that they've noticed they've gained a little weight recently. Do you think it's because like the workouts need to be like intensity needs to be bumped up a little bit. And I'm just like, it's possible. But I said, there's so many factors that play into weight, like could be nutrition, hydration, sleep, stress, hormones, like a plethora of things. And like, it really takes a conversation to dive into that to really figure out like what possibly is contributing to that issue. Yeah. And, and for everyone listening, think of how cool that would be if you've had that stubborn um, body fat that just won't go off to, despite all your diets and stuff. And you could go talk with somebody for a minute and that weight start to start to unlock and, and come yeah. off. Right. <laughs> um, you know, that's, you know, in, in my head, that's, that's an easy thing, you know, so, it's amazing. Uh, um, I've talked to several people who, <clears throat> excuse me, who work with um, specifically kind of those people with like yo-yo diets, yo-yo weight loss, and how much of that truly comes down to past traumas and emotional eating and things like that of like, when something they don't even, don't even realize triggers them, it's like they go to that food or, you know, whatever. So it's really interesting for now that we wanted to get on to the weight loss topic necessarily, but um, how much of that is so like emotional based and trauma based? Yes, because we are creatures of emotion. We do we all make all of our decisions, most of our decisions on emotion, <laughs> no matter how analytical we think we are. Um, and there's, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff that that is just not we're not conscious of because we've been doing it forever, right? Um, so that's the importance of having a team around you, having a coach. You know, because we point this stuff out. We're like, oh, yeah, you ever noticed that? They're like, oh, I, I didn't. And now they're 100 times better because um, of one quick, quick, easy thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, awesome. Well, Matt, this was a great discussion today. Always fun. 
if someone wants to <clears throat> find you, harass you, yell at you, <clears throat> where can they find you? <laughs> you can scream at me at brian.showman. <laughs> at, uh, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with anyone who agrees. And if you disagree, I'd love to have a open chat in a respectful manner about this because we all have different opinions. Um, you can find me on all social media. I'm at AutoNest Physical Therapy. Um, you can uh, also send me an email, info at antherapies.com. That's info at an, it's Alpha November, therapies with an IES.com. Love to chat. Awesome. Well, this was a great conversation as usual. We'll definitely do it again. Absolutely. Can't wait. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Highly Functional and had some great takeaways from it. If you'd like to discover more about the foot and ankle, you can check out runwithhappyfeet.com or check out my full website at getyourfixpt.com. And until next time, go out and be highly functional. <laughs>